You see, God's call to believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, is followed by a promise here. When you read this text, it says that, For God so loved the world, that is God's love, that he gave his only son, that is God's gift, that whoever believes in him, that is God's uh, uh, call, should not perish, but have eternal life. That is God's promise. The, the, the promise of the gospel is life. It is, it is eternal life. And, and brothers and sisters, this should shape our lives. How we perceive ourselves and how we perceive those who are not in Christ. How we perceive those who are lost. Why is this important? For this very simple reason. Because the stakes are high. The, the stakes of the gospel are high. Th this is literally a matter of life and death. We, we cannot rejoice over our own salvation while being apathetic or indifferent to the lost condition of those who are not in Christ. Right? We, we cannot rejoice that Christ has reached out to me in his love. And, and still look at those who are outside of Christ with indifference. To, to be indifferent towards the lost condition of those who are not in Christ means that we have not begun to understand that the true liberating joy that is found in the gospel or the unbearable tragedy of eternity without God. We have not come to understand what it truly means to be saved or, or what it truly means to be lost. Because if we did, brothers and sisters, we would be making the Kyrian call. We would be calling people to surrender their lives to Christ. And I want us to take time to, to ruminate, to, to, to reflect deeply on these words. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. First of all, what we see here is that this promise that the Lord makes carries a warning against those who do not believe. It carries a warning against those who do not believe. The, the warning is that those who do not believe in Christ will perish. What does this mean? Well, the word perish simply defined means to die, right? It, it means die. And I, I'm sure other Bible versions um, um, substitute the word perish for the word die. But make no mistake, this death here is not physical death uh, that both the, 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 the believer and the unbeliever experiences in this world. If that were the case, if, if this was, to, was referring to physical death, the very words of Christ himself, that whoever believes in him will not perish, will not die, uh, would prove to be false. Because there are many throughout past years who have placed their faith in Christ and have tasted physical death. Right? Many who have trusted Christ and they have died. 
But, but these words, brothers and sisters, uh, uh, the, the, the word perish is better understood as being in contrast with the words eternal life. We, we, we put it in contrast with what Jesus says with eternal life. It is not just death, in other words. It is eternal death. And here we see the full impact of unbelief. That unbelief gives birth to eternal death. Now, now the question is, why is unbelief such a terrible thing? Well, why is unbelief this terrible thing? Let me, let me just give you um, two, two reasons. There are many reasons why unbelief is, 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 is a terrible thing, but I, I just want to focus on two for this morning. First of all, unbelief refuses the testimony of Scripture about Jesus Christ. It refuses to, 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 to listen to what the Bible says about Jesus Christ. It, it refuses to believe what the Bible says about Jesus Christ. It, it refuses to, 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 to believe the plain scripture that Jesus Christ is none other than the eternal Son of God. The, the only Son of God. It refuses to believe that Jesus Christ came down from heaven and was born of a virgin. It fails to believe that Jesus Christ is the eternal word of God of whom the scripture says all things were made through him and without him not anything made that was made. There's not, not anything made that was made. John chapter 1 verse 3. It further refuses to believe not only in the person of Christ but also in his works. When the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ came to save men from perishing, as Luke chapter 19 verse 10 says, that the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost, unbelief says, no ways. Unbelief refuses to believe the testimony of Scripture about Jesus Christ. And secondly, unbelief is, 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 is wanting to continue in sin rather than surrender to Christ. When someone reflects unbelief towards the gospel, it is the fact that they want to continue in their sin than commit their life to Christ. When one is in the grip on, of unbelief, they want their sin and love their sin more than they want God. Right? And sometimes, brothers and sisters, it does not mean that they don't want God. It just means they want their sin more that they would forego surrendering to God. In fact, the only reason they refuse the gospel is that the gospel saves from sin. The gospel calls us to a life of holiness the, the, the thought of not being able to indulge in that sin, whether it is adultery, whether it is sex outside, of, outside the confines of marriage or drunkenness, it makes them turn away from the gospel. They are like that young rich ruler. Remember the story? The, the young rich ruler who comes to Jesus Christ and says, uh, 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 good teacher, how do I inherit eternal life? And, and Jesus Christ goes into this conversation with this young man where he challenges him about the law. 
And Jesus tells him about the law. And the young man looks at what Jesus Christ has said. And he says, I've kept all this. What more should I do? The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ looks at this, this young man and he loved him. And he, he looks at this young man and says, okay, go and sell all that you have and give it to the poor and come and follow me. Listen to what Matthew 19 verse 22 tells us the response of this young, young rich ruler. This is how he responds to when Jesus Christ says, go and sell that you have, give it to the poor, and come and follow me. This is what he says. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. And this is the same today with people who hear the gospel and, and are inquisitive about the gospel, but then they hear the reality of the gospel, that the gospel calls you and saves you to a holy life. And they go away sorrowful because they love their sin. They go away sorrowful because they love staying in cohabitative relationships. They, they go away sorrowful because they love that sexual immoral relationship. They, they, they go away sorrowful because they love a life of debauchery and drunkenness. They wonder, what am I going to do in December if I'm saved? Right? Because to them, December means going crazy. They go away sorrowful. J.C. Riley <coughs> captures very well how disastrous unbelief is. Listen to what he says. He says, we can never be too much on our guard against unbelief. It is the oldest sin in the world. It began in the Garden of Eden when Eve listened to the devil's promises. Instead of believing God's word, you will die. It is the most ruinous of all sins in its consequences. It brought death into the world. It kept Israel out of Canaan for 40 years. It is the sin that, that, that especially feels hell. It is the most foolish and inconsistent of all sins. It makes people refuse the plainest evidence, shut their eyes against the clearest testimony, and yet believe lies. Right? Sometimes unbelief is cloaked in the, is clothed in the garments of scholarship. It's, it's clothed in the garments of science or, or intelligence. Where people say, I believe science, not the Bible. As if science and the Bible were at loggerheads. It closes in itself in, in, in pseudoscience, in, in false science like evolution. I believe that the world was not made by God in six normal days, but I believe that the world evolved throughout the years, that humanity came from one single cell amoeba and not from the image of God. 
It tries to cloak itself. But the reason behind that is not the fact that people are finding evolution to be intelligent, are finding these things to be, to be, to, 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 to be true, but the reason is that people don't want to be accountable to God to the, to the point that they will believe anything to dismiss God. Unbelief ultimately leads to death. Eternal death is the fate that awaits all people who ultimately reject God, who who reject the gospel of his son, who reject Jesus Christ and remain in their sin and disobedience. It is a death that continues throughout eternity, a spiritual death that is experienced on a continual basis. Just a spiritual life, by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, is everlasting life. Eternal death is also never ending. Someone asked, how long will hell be? The, the, the answer to that question is with another answer. How long will heaven be? Hell will be as long as he- heaven is. How long is heaven? Heaven is eternal. It is forever. By logical inference, hell is forever. Daniel chapter 12, verse 2. And many of those who sleep, those who die in the dust of the earth, shall awake, some to everlasting life, praise the Lord, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Matthew chapter 25, verse 46 And, referring to the wicked, the wicked will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Revelation chapter 20, verse 15. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. And when you look at verse 10, we are told that the lake of fire burns forever and ever. So what we see here in the words of Jesus Christ in John chapter 3 verse 16 is a warning against those who refuse to believe the gospel. But not only that, not only do we see a warning here, we see that this promise carries with it eternal life for those who respond in faith. There is eternal life for those who respond in faith to the gospel. The the promise is clear. Those who believe will not perish but have eternal life. When we come to the knowledge that our true condition um, when we are born is that of those who are perishing, that our true nature is that we are utterly lost. And when we come to the acknowledgement of that truth and cry out to God, In faith, the Bible says, we will be saved. When we cry out to God, believing in Jesus Christ, that he has done all that is necessary for our rescue, cry out to him, we will be saved. You see, the promise of eternal life is tied to believing in Jesus Christ. Without believing in Jesus Christ, there can never be 
any salvation. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift from God. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And verse 11 of that same chapter, for the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. Whoever places their faith in Christ will not be disappointed. What does it mean when the Bible says you will have eternal life if you believe? Uh, this is a word that Christians like throwing around a lot of times, right? Some even, instead of saying eternal life, say internal life. And it is true, right? It's not just eternal, but it is also internal. Uh, this word is thrown around a lot, but unfortunately, oftentimes, without understanding of what it means. It is a very important word. And one of the implications, it is one of the implications of the gospel. And, and so it will help if we understand it well, if we get it right. If asked, uh, most people would say that eternal life is everlasting life, right? That's true, right? It is everlasting life. That it goes forever and ever. And let me ask, live forever how? What do we mean by live forever? With whom? And why? Right? If eternal life means just live forever, then there's nothing to be excited about. If eternal life just means continuing to live in my current city, riding the merry-go-round of this world throughout eternity, there's nothing to be excited about. One Greek lexicon is very helpful in this pursuit of understanding this word. It takes these two words, eternal and life. Eternal coming from the Greek word ainos, and life coming from the word zoe. And it observes that life does not just refer to the temporal element in, in, in terms of lasting forever, but it also refers to the qualitative distinction. Right? I'll explain. In other words, it is not just about quantity of life, meaning that you will have many years to come, but it is also about quality of life. Right? There's a quality to this quantity of life. It has these two aspects to it. Now, when we start to understand it like that, we are getting somewhere. It is starting to make sense. Life, eternal life is not simply about quantity, how long, but it's also about the quality of life, how good. And we start to understand that eternal life does not begin the moment we die physically. The eternal life begins the moment we surrender our lives to God. 
Our lives take a different shape and turn. We become strangers to this world. We become strange to the people of this world. Peter says they become surprised when you do not join them in their life of debauchery. Why do they become surprised? Because you are a totally different person who has been transformed from the inside out. There's a new quality of life that you start to live. There's a distinctness in your life. Let us consider some of the facts about eternal life. First of all, eternal life is found exclusively in Jesus Christ. We, we, we don't find it anywhere else, right? We, we, we try in this world to enhance our lives in many ways. We exercise, which is good. We must exercise. We, we start eating um, healthy food, right? These days people talk about uh, uh, food must not be genetically modified and, and you must eat this kind of food. You must grow it naturally and, and stuff like that. And people start doing that. People start going on diet to enhance their lives, right? That is good. But no matter how much we do, we will never, ever find eternal life in, this, in the things of this world. It is found exclusively in Jesus Christ. There, there are no secret doors into the commonwealth of, eternally, of, the, of the eternally happy. There is only one entry point and one passcode. His name is Jesus. 1 John chapter 5, verse 11 says, And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Right? First of all, it is found exclusively in Jesus Christ. Secondly, it is received by believing in Jesus. One may enter into eternal life only by faith. Uh, that is by believing in Jesus Christ, trusting in his work, and treasuring his supreme worth, treasure, treasuring him as the one who is supremely worthy. John chapter 3, verse 14 and to 16, and says, this is what it says, verse 14 to 16, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Why? Because God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Thirdly, it is, only it is the only satisfying option for the hungry and thirsty soul. The hungry and thirsty soul will only be satisfied when it finds eternal life. When Jesus met the Samaritan woman, remember that, that, that narrative. At the well, she was hungry and she was hurting. She was reeling from her sin stained past. Her, her sin stained past was, was, was hurting him. He speaks to this woman of his ability to satisfy the, 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 the quenching thirst of her soul. How does he do that? He gives eternal life. Jesus said to her in John chapter 4, verse 13 to 15, he says, everyone who drinks of this water will, be, will, will never be thirsty again. 
of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. What did the woman say when, when she heard that? Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or, have, or, or come here to draw water again. Right? We want to come to Jesus Christ and say, give me this water. And this is exactly what he does. In John chapter 6, when he speaks of giving his body and blood to those who hunger and thirst, the, the, the point here is that eternal life is knowing God. Right? It is knowing God through Jesus Christ. This satisfies the hungry soul. Fourthly, eternal life is a gift of God's grace. In other words, we do not earn this life, nor do we merit its continuation. The experience of this life is all of grace. Remember Romans chapter 6, verse 23, right? We like quoting the first part of it, that the wages of sin is death. But it continues to say, but the, gift, but, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Right? It is the free gift of God. Fifthly and lastly, it is something that we can know that we have now. We, we can be sure that we have eternal life now. In, in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, John says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of, of, of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. John's goal was to provide clarity and confidence to those who believe in Jesus. He, he wanted them to know that eternal life was to be enjoyed by experience as they believe. In other words, for all who presently believe in Christ, there is eternal life to be presently enjoyed. And this will get you up in the morning, right? It will get you up singing hymns to God. It will get you up being ready for the day. It will get you up rejoicing in God. When we think of eternal life the way Jesus and his apostle lays it out, we can truly be encouraged. Our minds and hearts are unfasted from the, the, the rusted out sinking sheep of this world and, and firmly applied to the soul-satisfying truth of God's eternal word. And this is the charter of the kingdom of God, right? The, the, the charter of the kingdom of God is that those who truly believe in him, those who are in him, those who have placed their faith in Christ, have eternal life. And I wonder if you do have eternal life this morning. I wonder if you have believed in him and have entrusted your life to him. I wonder if you truly walk with him. I wonder if you rejoice in the fact that in him there is eternal life and that you are experiencing it currently and that you look forward to experiencing it fully in his presence. Brothers, brothers and sisters, this is not experienced because you are born in a Christian family. This is not experienced because you are a Baptist. This is experienced because you believe in Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Our Father and Lord,
What a joy it is to think upon this promise, the promise that you make to us. We thank you that we have come to believe in you and have been given eternal life. Thank you for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. May you be honored, O oh God, that those who do not know you this morning will come to truly believe in you, come to give their lives to you, so that they can enjoy the life that is found in you and escape the life of eternal condemnation. May you be blessed in every way in our lives. As we ruminate upon these words throughout the week, may our hearts truly rejoice in you. In the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.